Howdy! Welcome to another week of Canon Calls. I'm your host, Jake McAtee, and this week is the return of Michael Foster to the program to discuss a tweet of his that went somewhat viral in conservative circles last week. I wanted to have him on to discuss the reaction to this tweet and what he guessed was maybe behind the reaction. Overall, my hope with today's episode is that Christians can see takes on Twitter or in the classroom, on the news, in real life, and consider things uh, sober-mindedly and apart from the static and the friction of everyone's immediate reaction. Can you sort of separate yourself and consider, is this true, is this not true, without emotionally becoming tangled in the heat of the reaction? Additionally, I wanted to recommend the Amazon Prime series, Man Rampant. The discussions that are had on each episode provide a great example of what I'm talking about. Christians discussing issues, tough issues, with sober minds, with wisdom, and that are thick with scripture. That can be found exclusively on Amazon Prime. Go check it out today. And without further ado, meet Michael Foster. Alrighty, welcome to another week of Canon Calls. I feel like we're a news podcast now. Like we're we're staying up to date with all that's happening, all of the viral tweets. And this week in particular is a tweet from at this is Foster, a friend of the program, Michael Foster. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Hey, I'm glad to be on again. <laughs> so we're a couple days out. It's now the eighth, and you sent a tweet into the net. On February 3rd at 2.40 p.m. Moscow time, and it read, I greatly caution men when they're considering marrying a single mother. A lot of well-meaning, naive men found themselves in a terrible marriage, or worse, because they failed to ask the obvious question. Why is she single with a kid? Um, did you fire off the, the qualifiers right after? I think when I got to my next stop sign. Okay. So I was on my way. <laughs> you were tweeting at red lights. Visit. Okay. Right. And I had just talked to someone about this issue. And I came to a stop sign. And I was like, yeah, it's something worth saying. So I tweeted out. No master plan. Uh, then, uh, you know, go get my back cracked, my neck set right and all this. And then I come back, I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And it was starting to take off. And I was like, well, I need to add a couple more tweets to this thread yeah. to explain. But at that point, it still hadn't really, you know, turned into a sort of Lori Alexander moment yet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so you, but you, uh, yeah, so afterwards. You qualified it with... You you sent another tweet it, that said, I'm preparing for on, the onslaught of white knights who deny female agency and see women only as passive victims. Scripture doesn't do that, but soft evangelical men do. Some single, mem- <laughs> uh, some single mothers are loose women. It's that simple. And lastly, <laughs> maybe she is single because she is a widower. Maybe she's legitimately divorced from her husband. Maybe she made some terrible, wicked decisions when she was younger, and she isn't that same person anymore. 
Maybe. But maybe she's a harlot and still makes terribly wicked choices. So, um, as someone who pays attention online for canon, um, I saw this tweet go, and then I saw your qualifiers, but then I came back later, and I saw a ton of, like, blue check marks that I'm vaguely familiar with. Dunking yeah. on you. Dunking on you. <laughs> it was a yeah, bloodbath. A bloodbath. of Rand just... Paul's chief strategist got into it. So I think you expected shots from the other side of the line, at least the ideological line, uh, those far more liberal um, people that wouldn't like you regardless of your tweet. But what was sure. su- what was surprising, though, was how much on our side of the of the line, the conservative evangelical side of the line that lost their mind. I mean, like just really dunked all over you <laughs> for like a couple days. Yeah, it's still going on a little bit. I mean, I hate to disappoint them, but of the 12,000 comments and 1,000 direct messages, I've looked at maybe 100th. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, at the time, but I saw some guys, guys they like actually, um, criticizing it. And I'm, I'm just thinking, did you, did you read it? And I think we're at a point now when a, when a crowd gets so outraged people just start to believe the crowd yeah even reasonable people you know say well this must be true this is how these people are reacting i think conservatives a lot of times uh resent being connected to anyone that causes discomfort um regardless if the discomfort that they cause was legitimate and wise or illegitimate it doesn't really matter whether you were justified in what you said the fact is you're making us look bad man and we want to be reasonable, acceptable people to the masses. And you, you are dragging this down, sir. You mentioned even in the tweet, you were you were preparing for white knights. Can you tell me what your definition of white knights is? Sure. Now, when I said onslaught. The onslaught of white I'm knights, not a, yeah. I'm not a charismatic. I am not a cessationist. And I don't know how... I. I was moving in the prophetic there for somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I meant, I meant thirty people. Sure, <laughs> I know what right. I mean. White knights. So the good picture is just the idea of a, a knight that rushes to help those in need, in particular, uh, uh, you know, maiden in distress. And in our culture, uh, suggesting that a woman has done anything wrong or is at fault for anything is a no-no and men will rush in and say, well, come defend regardless, right? Regardless of what they've done or said. So uh, I knew that me saying that there may be, uh, that the single mother might be in her situation because of bad decisions and even sinful decisions and even wicked, very wicked sexual sins is something that white knights, men that want to prove that they're good men by defending women, regardless of the reality of the situation, I knew that some of those guys would show up. Right. But, I mean, they showed up in full force. Yeah. So that's my definition is 
is of uh you can go there's a great freedom tunes is a youtube channel a friend of mine runs and you can just type in what white knights really think and you'll see his his humorous video but these are guys that will you know i'm at your service my lady they'll come in and defend women regardless of the situation so yeah why is it beyond discourse like even if we just threw this situation up into the platonic uh or just you know we're watching the game film here why is it that it's just beyond discourse to even think about man there's a lot of parts to that i mean probably the biggest part to it is that we're living in a broken society families are broken down fatherlessness is at a is at an all-time height marriage um marriage rates are down divorce rates are pretty high people are growing up in blended families more and more and things are jacked up and so anything that criticizes a non-natural family is going to be a point of contention is going to be a sore spot for a lot of people because it's much easier to normalize brokenness as a means to deal with it than to, to deal with it, frankly. And so divorce and remarriage is not natural. Um, even someone dying, a spouse dying, that's not natural. Right? That's not the original design. Right. One man, one woman producing natural children forever and ever and ever to the glory of God. That's, that's the design. Right. And anything that goes against that design has consequences. And so we have a lot of people that are being raised in single uh, parent families, in particular, female or mothers raising these families. And no doubt these mothers are working very hard in many cases. They, you know, they didn't have an abortion. And they did keep their kids and the state hasn't taken them away and they're working hard. People grow up in these families and say, how dare you say there's anything wrong with the family I came from. And of course, I, I would say, obviously, we don't want all mothers to be single mothers. Right. Right. That's not the ideal. Um, and moreover, I didn't say there was anything wrong with a single mother per se. It was constantly men from going in and marrying them because men have a natural inclination to rush in and help those in need. It's a God-given um, inclination to protect and provide. And when a man sees a woman with a child or children, he sees someone in need and he's going to want to get involved and help. Now that helps good. Doesn't necessarily mean he should marry her. There are lots of consequences to marrying um, a woman who has a child by another man in difficulties. I mean, we look at the divorce rates for second marriages and marriages involved in um, blended families and the difficulties of a man being the head of a household, but needing to clear his decisions with another man since that man is the biological father of the children. Um, there's real consequences to fornication and having multiple partners prior to marriage. And the ability of men and women to bond, especially women, to have a sort of closeness that's necessary to maintain a marriage covenant. And so there's a lot of reasons to tell men, no, you, you should think 
you should not treat this as identical to a a woman, Lord willing, who's been chased because men with other men in any way, shape, or form, and has, doesn't have any children and has never been married before. You don't want to deal with this one because they're not identical. It doesn't mean you shouldn't, you, that there's not the possibility of a good marriage here. There is, but there's a lot of minds, a lot of difficulties. And if you're not if you're not prepared for them and sober, um, you're going to find yourself in a bad situation. It's very similar to adoption. Where Christians will talk about how great adoption is, it is, but adoption is very difficult. If you already have children, say you have four or five kids, and then you adopt a kid that screws up birth order and it's of a different sex, it 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 brings a lot of um, familial complications and and then also those children have a hard time bonding connecting with non-biological parents and it can cause a lot of trouble in families and anyone that's adopted kids knows this right anyone that's seen this happen knows this to be the case doesn't mean you don't adopt kids but it means hey you don't just willy-nilly go into a situation like this so it seems to me the centerpiece of your argument is get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Here's the part that no one likes is be wise when it comes to single mothers, right? Single mothers <laughs> are treated as a heroic class, right? Yeah. And maybe, maybe they are, but it's not the same thing as orphans and widows. It might be, but they're not synonymous. And to conflate them is a ca- categorical error. And Look, there are women out there who have children by multiple men. I I know a few, and that you can get into relationships with them, and it's not going to be good. And the, I would say the difference between where I was at a couple years ago and where I'm at now is I spent all of 2019 interviewing people on the phone in research for our our project. It's good to be a man. And as I listened to these guys and heard what they're dealing with, it was very eye-opening. And I realized that I kind of live in a bubble. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We have had eight kids together. Um, We've been married. It's been a good marriage. I've been in really good churches the entirety of my walk with Christ, except for maybe a couple years in a crazy charismatic church. But I think our tendency is to see the world from our perspective and our experience and things have shifted. Things aren't what they were. It's, it's a really jacked up time. And so I think a lot of folks see what I'm saying and say, well, how is that relevant? It's very relevant. It's very relevant because um, the church is pressuring men or commending men to marry single mothers and treat them as widows and orphans and as default righteous and holy. And it's a real, it's a, it's a dangerous class to marry into uh, blindly. And that's, that's just what the stats say. That's common sense, but it doesn't mean, you know, when I'm seeing danger, I'm talking about it in rates and, and, and the difficulties that you're going to face in a relationship you wouldn't face in a, in a normal, natural marriage, this is the situation we find in. And that's why I think a lot of people just were outraged by what I was saying way more than I thought. 
couple friends were like, you had to know this was going to happen. I was like, I had no clue. I knew it was going to like get to some people. Sure. But I didn't expect Allie Beth Stuckey and who else? A bunch of us. Someone from USA Today, which apparently is still a newspaper. Indeed. Um, Indeed. <laughs> who knew? Yeah. Um, and that was like a PCA woman. I guess she goes to Tim Keller's church. Did not know that. Just found that out today. Um, a lot of these people are outraged, but I think a lot of them are dis disconnected from the reality that men are dealing with. And it's not good for women either to marry some guy that comes in as a hero and is not sober about what he's going to be up against. You know, a lot of times single mothers are very protective of their kids. They're very uh, provision oriented. Uh, they'll marry men because they see him as a good provider. Not always because they're deeply attracted to him physically. And again, these cause consequences in the relationship down the road. And this is why we should be sober about these things and just think through the, the nature of the situation. Because you're working with a non-ideal situation. And the church is not, to my knowledge, speaking to this issue at all. It's not the centerpiece of my ministry. That's for certain. But I do talk to a lot of men who are trying to get married. So it is something that I do speak to from time to time. I think we may have talked about this the first time you were on. It's certainly um, a, a component of much of what Aaron Wren has written about. And he uh, came on. He did a, a man rampant episode here in Moscow with, with uh, Doug about the sins of Christian women and kind of talked about how um, often, whether it's like Mother's Day sermons versus Father's Day sermons, there's a there's a lot that fathers got to work on, and then with the Mother's Day sermons, there's not much in terms of like here's where we got to pick it up, ladies. It's more just you know, like some of the hero rhetoric, commending them for their sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, the hero rhetoric you've already mentioned. It seems like a conservative guy problem. Um, is it that we're ill-equipped? Is it we don't know? We can't see the sins of women. What 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 is it that this is just off, off the table for discussion? One is that Christianity does skew feminine right now. So the the feminine is seen as more holy than the masculine, and I think that's because a misunderstanding of what it means to be weak or weak in the sense that you have to depend on God. Right. Um, Meek. That like strength and taking and conquest is associated. War language is associated with sin. Right. Those are masculine things. So I think a lot of men that are dialed in to the evangelical culture start to skew more feminine and, and see that as more holy. And I know that when I was in a church and there was my life. I'm going to test the limits of canon calls right now. Here we go. Um, my, uh, I, I wanted to be in leadership, so I was trying to uh, adopt their culture and fit in. And I, my wife said, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's like they took your balls from you. And that was my, my meek, lovely, and not, not brash wife. And I was trying to adopt this sort of quiet affect and would you say, you winsome? know, like the sort of guy, well, anytime someone talks to you, like, mm, 
Oh, mm-hmm. this whole thing is just, it's just like non-natural. And so I think that's kind of the background. There's other aspects to it where we don't talk about female sexual sins and we talk about male sexual sins like ad nauseum um, when it comes to pornography. I mean, pornography is terrible, right? I'm not trying to lessen that. It is terrible. We don't talk about, you know, the sort of dark fantasies that women have. I mean, there's 55 million, is it 55 million copies of, of the, what's that? 50 shades of gray. Oh, I mean, yep. uh, the, the, that whole, that whole genre women are buying it and, and reading it and Christian women are too. And they're seeing those movies and, and there's a lot of sexual, sexual sins that are not being dealt with. So I just think men feel they hate their sins. They hate that they looked at pornography. They hate that they're not fitting in the culture and they, they want the culture of the church and they want to. And anytime they see someone hating on a woman, uh, they, they react that those are different aspects going to it. Um, or play into this whole situation that we're in right now. And so I think part of the correction is simply talking about both male and female sins. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is the whole premise of our project is that femininity and masculinity are good and we shouldn't be ashamed of them. We focus on the masculine side because that's where we see the greatest slack and we think we'll get the the best ROI, uh, mm-hmm. the more godly men we have we think we'll see more results in the culture and the church i think that's why these guys i think it's because um functionally speaking evangelicalism is egalitarian and even and evangelicalism really has a lot of feministic assumptions about the sexes namely that women are somehow more clean than men and they're not they're not they're equally fallen they're desperate, black-hearted sinners on their way to hell without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if people believe that or not anymore. It doesn't, if, if you love women, if you love them, you will preach in such a way to bring conviction so that you will trust in God. And these guys that are perpetuating the myth that women aren't fallen, at least doing so functionally, and getting a lot of bonus points. Like Mark Driscoll used to always do this. Mark Driscoll would get in the pulpit and just like bash on men. Everyone's like, he's so bold. Give me a break. All those women listening to that are like, oh, he's such a good man, right? Like he's getting points from these women. Like, okay, are you going to deal with the wives? And maybe Mark did. I don't really recall that sermon. I kind of think it would have went viral. (laughs) Um, But maybe he did. And it's the same thing where I hear Matt Chandler he does this whole sermon where you would think that the village church is full of a bunch of like sexual predators, <laughs> male sexual predators. Maybe it is. It's a big church. But where, I mean, what about the women who use their, their sensuality to draw men away? Solomon seems to think that's a problem when he's trying to educate his son in Proverbs. He brings it up quite a bit. And God uh, despises adultery and fornication, both in men and women. And yet we don't hear anyone warning about this because it's a very costly message to preach because it makes people upset. 
And it makes women upset because women have been taken advantage of. They, they've been allowed to be this sort of a press class and they're a victim in everything and they're not being held accountable. So they're very weak in a way that that's not good, where when you call them to account for fornication or say there's consequences connected to any sin they've committed, they lose their minds. They lost their minds on Lori Alexander when she was like, look, men like virgins that are debt-free and don't have tattoos. Oh, yes. Think what you want to think. (laughs) Think what you want to think about her status. But the outrage was like, okay, yeah, men, that's kind of like, that's generally true. And we did a couple posts that just tell guys what to look for in a wife. And we've got, we've got a lot of hate back on that. So I just think we're at a place right now where women are unloved. And, and, and love is to call them account for their sins. And that's not ever happening. So for me to suggest just anything wrong or concerning about single mothers just goes against the grain. Way more than I expected. But I think those are the, some of the factors involved in this. It just seems like a cowardice in general. Two more questions. Well, I have three more, but two more. Sure. Um, is there anybody that uh, that you've talked to that actually came out on the other side saying, like, I get it, I agree with you now? Um, do you, did you have any of those situations? My DMs, I have not gone through all of them yet. Um, I was really blessed to work 50 hours this week and have the flu. Okay. So I just didn't really pay attention to it. But as I went through my DMs, I did get several messages from um, single mothers saying, no, you're right. And I'm glad someone's saying this and telling me about their situations and about the weird guys they've dealt with, guys that don't really understand the complexities of coming into that relationship, which was very encouraging to me. And I, I did another podcast with some guys you know, Matt Williams and Adam Robles. And after that podcast, people messaged me and said, oh, I, I understand what you're saying now. I hated what you had to say at first. So I've seen pretty positive, some positive feedback. I That's mean, good. the negative feedback certainly was pretty epic. And loud. <laughs> it was definitely loud. <laughs> um, is there anywhere uh, that you would send folks if they wanted to know more about, about this or that? Um, is there anything you would say, like, hey, go check that out? Is there anything you'd point folks to? I mean, you want to see what's going on. You want to see what's up. Just Google uh, problems being a stepfather, problems being a stepmother. Uh, should I date a single mother? Should I date a single father? Look at the Quora, uh, in the Quora stuff and the Reddit questions that come up. See what the actual people out there are fighting. And here's the thing with even HuffPo and all these other liberal sites, they warn about all this stuff too. Right. Uh, they just, a lot of those guys saw this as a, oh, this is the opportunity. Here's this crazy fundamentalist whack job. And it fits the narrative, and they, they went nuts, right? They thought they had something. But if you Google all these things, you'll see that these are very real concerns held by people on all sides because the stats and the reality of it is undeniable for anyone that has their eye open. But it seems to me 
that so many Christians live in a fantasy world. <laughs> they just live in a complete, they're completely detached from what's going on uh, outside of their little bubble. And it's, it's rough. In terms of people writing on it, uh, there are a couple of websites out there that I don't know if they're Christians or not. They have some content that's helpful. But what we have to start doing as a church right now, we have to start creating content, books, and video series that deal with people that are coming out of this culture into the church. Yeah. We can't just say, we can't just write, here's the ideal situation. And I remember when I read I Kissed Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris. Yep. And then I saw him. We all know Joshua went a bad direction. But then I saw him at Desiring God like in 2007. And I was talking to him. I was like, look, man, your book was kind of helpful. But I came from a pagan family and so did my wife. And they were cool with us hooking up as long as we didn't have kids. And I asked for her hand in marriage and all that. And they're like, sure, yeah, just don't get married yet. You can have sex. Just don't have babies. And <laughs> it was not helpful. Right. What do I do in that situation? So, so we're going to have to like, this is, we're not the, we're not the majority. We are the minority. We are in Babylon. We're Daniel. And what do we do when Babylonians start repenting? How do we bring them into the church? When they have these unideal, jacked-up backgrounds, that's and that's not easy, man. It's really hard, and so that's the situation I think we find ourselves in. Right. It's good to be a man. Podcast and blog, tons of content there. Uh, man, rampant series, really good. Um, yeah, absolutely. I finally watched that. Joe Rigney, Joe Rigney, man, stepped <laughs> up to the plate, knocked that ball right out of the stadium. I think Doug. I think um, Tim Bailey does some good stuff. I think uh, Cannon is cutting edge right now on these issues. And Chris Wiley would be another resource. I would recommend Alistair Roberts. He's kind of connected to Theopolis. Did you, did you ever Paul read? Paul Maxwell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Paul, Twitter, so I'm Twitter friends these, with like, Paul. Different voices coming out of nowhere. Kind of weird, different angles right now popping up. We're at we're in biblical sexuality 2.0. What came from the 80s and 90s with the Danvers statement, uh, biblical manhood and um, and womanhood kind of group, that kind of failed. I think it's because they had too small of a view. They're more of a stop a stop loss, you know. Just yep. Don't preach women and be at home. But now we're seeing a more robust sexuality coming out of and honestly. Gavin Peacock and the guys over at CBMW, the quality of their work is is jumping up big time. And it's really encouraging. So I do see some really, and uh, you've already mentioned Aaron Wren, there's some really exciting things happening right now. And it's it's diverse. It's decentralized. What's the guy at DG? I forget. the. There's a guy at DG that's written some great stuff. Oh, Greg Morse. Greg Morse. Greg is a, he's a good guy. And I think Joe Rickney's influence over there at uh, Bethlehem is is really showing. And so we're seeing guys, it's not just We've reached our Joe Rigney compliment no level for Joe Rigney, by the way. No more. I know. I like him. <laughs> I think he's a good guy. Um, but it's not just Canon Press being a cultural warrior. It People are waking up. And there's, there's real reasons to be optimistic. But 
first we have to be honest about the situation that we're in and then start speaking to it. And I'm, I am optimistic that people are coming up with real answers and addressing these things in a way that they haven't been addressed in the last couple of decades. Uh, God is good. If somebody's made it this far, they've come to what I think is probably the most important question that I'm going to ask you. If I can get you in more trouble, I will. Um, okay, let's do it. Michael Foster, Skyline Chili, good or bad? Cincinnati guy yourself. My wife. <laughs> I'm I need not to... Cincinnati. So I was born in KCMO. And where I come from, okay. Chili is beans and meat. But these Cincinnatians, my people, yeah, that I love dearly, yeah, they think runny meat put on spaghetti with a ton of cheese is chili. Yeah, skyline and chili. I don't, I, yeah, I don't see it. My wife loves it though. She'll tell you that Gold Star is the worst and Skyline is the way. So I have Skyline every once in a while. I I don't call it chili. Okay. I don't know. I just call it Skyline. It's good, but come on, man, it's not chili. That's like calling a, it's like calling a, a Yorkie. A dog. Yeah, I'm out on Skyline. Um, it's uh, I agree with you from where I grew up. That's not chili. And uh, okay, well, I hope you you know dealing with that answer, um, your Twitter doesn't just collapse again. So I'm just gonna go into hiding right now. <laughs> hiding. Awesome, dude. Well, hey, feel better, and let's hang out at a great homeschool convention here in a few weeks. Oh, that'll be fun. I'll see ya. All right, see ya, man.